Hello and welcome to the Locked On Bulldogs podcast. I am Daniel. And I am Clint. And again, I'm mourning the fact that we don't have Michael Smith with us We're today. all alone today, Clint. Well, it's this, just the two of us. It's an empty we room. We can make it if we try. <laughs> Gosh. Gosh. Uh, what a great what a great poll on the Will Smith reference. I'm proud mm. of you for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't start. I'm Will Smith, and you're the kid in this. <laughs> you, you couldn't even remember his name, could you? Just couldn't even remember the kid's name. The kid. I still can't remember his name. Uh, Jaden. Jaden. Yeah, I was, was going to say Jaden. I kept thinking Jada, and no, that's his that's wife's his wife. name. Uh, it's yeah, Jaden. Yeah. Um, Will uh, Smith trivia here on the podcast today. So yeah, you're welcome for that. Don't turn off. Please stick with us because that's not the whole pod. I promise you. As a matter of yeah. fact, we're no, it's done. Over now. We're done. It's over now. Okay. Uh, but here's what is on the pod. Daniel and I are two guys, two fans that really, really love UGA. Uh, and we are here to be for the fans. So we're a podcast by fans for fans. We're not gurus or insiders. We don't have a paywall that you have to get through. Uh, we are two guys who love and know a deep amount of UGA trivia, not Will Smith trivia. We're just here to help you be the best fans that you can be. That's what we're passionate about. That's what we want to be. That's what we want you to be. That's what we're all. We feel like we're all in this together. And so, if you want, um, if you're here and you're along for the ride, we really appreciate that. We're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're listening. Uh, you can email us always. Reach out lockedonbulldogs at gmail.com. Get your votes in for the best, um, uh, best football all-time fantasy UGA team. Michael, Daniel, or Clint. Uh, you can still vote. Uh, through the weekend on that so you can email us you can hit us up on twitter at dogs uh podcast and um uh, yeah you can subscribe to the podcast download the podcast leave a rating leave a review tell a friend about the show cat subscribe all those things today on today's show um uh, we got we got something special for you and we We don't use that term a lot but this this actually is this actually is great tell the people about um, what you had the opportunity to do and what we're going to be playing for them today. Yeah, uh, we had teased on the last episode that uh, today should be the draft happening, the actual NFL draft. Although it's not actually physically happening in Vegas, it's virtually happening, which I don't know how that... I think that still counts. Because I think I, players are still going to the okay, NFL. Okay, so, well, yeah, I'm, okay. Still, I'm still unclear on what they mean by virtual. Uh, if it's like augmented yeah. reality or whatever that means. But uh, yeah, I don't think there's any chance Andrew Thomas comes back to school, if that's what you're hoping I, for. But I think was that's, a, there was a lot of hope in that. There was a lot of Well, I don't think that's happening. I don't think that's happening. Okay. Uh, but since we're talking about – since the draft is happening right now, we're going to be talking about the draft. The rest of the episode will be chronicling – the players that we hope are to be drafted in this coming uh, draft class. Uh, a, no- a few noble names will be removed because uh, actually Patricia Trena over at GiantsCountry.com. She's a writer uh, for SI.com channel, a SportsIllustrated.com channel at GiantsCountry.com. Patricia Trena uh, invited us over to the pod. Uh, she hosts the Giants Locked On podcast, and she wanted to chronicle a few of the um, – draft eligible players the giants may be looking at uh and what we knew about them and how they're going to bring something to the table if the giants do wind up taking them and as well we talk about a a few notable ex uh, uga players that are on the giants uh and get her thoughts and feelings on those which by the way she's still high on deandre baker she hasn't given up on him lorenzo carter she expects big things out of both of those two young gentlemen so uh the rest of the episode we're going to be listening to be clear to be clear, she invited you 
onto the podcast. Sure, not us, sure. but you know, whatever. We, That's fine. Hey, it's not a big, you know, hey, it's not a big, it's not a big thing. Let's let's say we let's celebrate big. we together, Daniel. This is a joint sure. task, okay? Uh, no, it's great. It's great insight into uh, Georgia draft prospects and um, uh, and some fascinating uh, conversation. Uh, about uh, DeAndre Baker and Lorenzo Carter, some of the tidbits that you came mm-hmm. back with that she gave us that she gave us about those two names in particular. So if you're a Georgia fan, uh, you know there's some you know there's there's a lot of uh, Giants are sitting there at four right now. Andrew Thomas is in play mm-hmm. at four, uh, and so. Before you watch the draft tonight, um, this will give you some insight into current players, uh, current NFL players, and soon-to-be NFL players uh, making that jump. And so, uh, yeah, hope you enjoy it. Um, we're going to play the full uh, interview in its entirety, and um, and then we'll uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. See you. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. I am Patricia Trena. Thank you so much for being with us today. And on the line, as we continue our look at the various college prospects, the draft prospects from each school, today we are going to be looking at the Georgia Bulldogs. And here to help me break the Bulldogs down, we have Clint Shamblin. He is a co-host of the Locked On Bulldogs podcast. And, Clint, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, great to be here. Thank you. All right. Well, let's jump right in. Now, uh, the Bulldogs have, I I think, I want to see roughly a dozen or so players in this draft prospect, uh, this draft class, rather. Um, And there's been a few who have been linked to the Giants. So let me just um, start off with uh, Andrew Thomas, the offensive tackle. He's a guy who is in the top four tackles, and it is a position of need for the Giants. And he's not a guy who's been mentioned a whole lot to, as being a, a Giants prospect, but I have heard that he is not totally off the picture. So what can you tell us about Andrew Thomas? Yeah, Andrew Thomas is, I think, getting overlooked in this draft. I, I see the same things you're saying with four tackles inside the top 15 on a lot of mocks, and him being the fourth. Um, and while other tackles may have a, a, a higher ceiling because uh, of physical traits or whatnot, Andrew Thomas has the highest floor out of any of the top four tackles. Uh, this is, in my opinion, on, on our uh, podcast, we just did a fantasy draft of all-time UGA players. And uh, Andrew Thomas was the first offensive lineman off the board because he's the most, he's the best offensive lineman to come out of Georgia. Uh, no offense to the Sitchcomb brothers. Uh, but Andrew Thomas is fantastic. He's somebody you draft, you put on the right or left side, and for the next eight years, uh, you don't hear a peep out of him. He only had about two QB pressures uh, in his entire uh, time at UGA. Uh, gave up two sacks, and, and uh, it was it was incredible his uh, worth over there for our line. He anchored it from day one. Uh, so incredible prospect. Uh, I think he should be getting more love, but I understand there are more physically dominant players in the draft, which is probably hurting his stock a little bit. But uh, I would be happy my NFL team putting him on the right side for the next eight years and, and just forgetting about ever replacing him. Why do you think, though, he hasn't been getting this much love? I mean, he's a pure left tackle. He's been a, a consistently solid producer. I, I'm just kind of perplexed as to why, you know, when you talk about the top tackle prospects, he always seems to be the fourth in, guy in the com- conversation. 
Yeah, it's perplexing to me as well. I don't understand it whatsoever. From day one, like I said, he came in, he started. Uh, there was a, just a treasure trove of five-star prospects on UGA's line, and he came in and dominated uh, from day one. Uh, he is. He, he can be the left side. I've heard him mention on the right side. There's just some scared uh, tendencies about the physical qualities. He does not uh, – he's not a road grader. He's not – uh, this this absolute animal that that has this kind of imposing presence, um, but he is somebody who is smooth in pass protection uh, and doesn't have the measurables. I think that's what could get him in trouble. There, the other three have the the potential to be higher up, um, and, and just because of the physicality of of maybe height, weight, uh, distribution of some of these other guys, and maybe some strength numbers. I think if there was a combine in which he was able to, to showcase some things, we'd be talking about him much more. But you put on tape, uh, on the field, uh, there's, there's no one like him. Uh, so I agree, he should be one or two. Uh, and when he doesn't go those, those two, we might be looking back and saying, the tackles ahead of him were busts and he'll be considered a gym, uh, but it should have been the other, other way around the whole time. I should have asked you this at the start though, but what kind of blocking scheme did they run in Georgia? Yeah, so it was, uh, they, uh, this year's offense was a little in flux. Our offensive coordinator actually lost his job this year because of it. Uh, but it's a it's a run first offense out of play action. Um, has some sweeps involved in it, but uh, we are a running team, up and down power run uh, with a little zone in there. So DeAndre Swift, who maybe we'll get to, is a one foot in the ground, cut up and get going kind of guy. Uh, but he has been. I mean, you think of Todd Gurley, you think of Nick Chubb, you think of Sonny Michelle. These are power inside. Uh, get between the tackles and move uh, a man off the line. Uh, and that's exactly what Andrew Thomas was able to do. And then in pass for a lot of uh, play action, a lot of intermediate routes, uh, hit to the sideline. Um, and so the, the run scheme fits no matter, no matter where he's going. We had the one cutting up and we had the Nick Chubbs power inside bruising kind of back. And, and Andrew Thomas fit within both of those schemes or both of those players' skill sets very easily. Getting back to Andrew Thomas, Though, I mean, every prospect is, is, I mean, it's rare that you find a guy who is completely polished. That's, you know, he's, he's a hundred percent NFL ready. What's the biggest jump Andrew Thomas, you think would have to take from the college to the pros? Yeah, I think that the power, uh, power pass protection is going to be a little rough on him. I think the first step getting that left hand out there and jamming a speed rusher is going to be no problem to him getting back in his uh, stance and protecting uh, either side on the offensive line is going to be no problem. Uh, but if he comes against somebody who might be able to try to overpower that power rush move, uh, uh, a Miles Garrett or something like that, uh, is going to be a little bit harder for him uh, to, to get used to. Uh, I think in the SEC, he wasn't faced with a lot of that. Mississippi State a couple of years ago had some prospects that were pure pass, uh, power rushers. Uh, they gave a little bit of fits uh, for him on a couple sides. But I think that's probably the, the area of his game where he needs to progress more. Getting off the line, shooting and doing, uh, getting in front of a man and, and positioning his body so that runners can pass, no problem. Getting set up in pass protection uh, on the outside, no problem. But if somebody was to bull rush, especially at the NFL level, where that move has become so, so fearsome, uh, that's going to be a little bit of a growth area for him. Now, another offensive tackle that's been linked to the Giants, should they decide to go with Isaiah Simmons, in round one and wait until round two or three uh, to take an offensive tackle is Isaiah Wilson, who I believe is a red shirt sophomore. What can you tell us about him? And are you kind of surprised he's coming out as early as he is? We were absolutely shocked that he decided to come out. Um, it's one of those 
where another year would have done him very well. Another year in, he's going to be possibly a, a later first-round prospect. And so having him come out, yeah, second, third round. Uh, and a lot of people are high on him. And look, it's it's hard for me to talk bad about any Georgia player, but Isaiah Wilson is not the tackle that Andrew Thomas is. Isaiah Wilson is good. Uh, he's, he's adequate at his job. Um, everything I just said of Andrew Thomas, there's not as much polish with Isaiah Wilson uh, there's a little bit more of that road grader in him, uh, but I was shocked to see him come out. And the the third, fourth round is right about where he should go. Um, I'm interested to see what happens to him. His floor is far lower. Uh, his ceiling, I don't know if it's much higher. Um, so this is a very curious case for me. I don't know quite what to make of him as an NFL prospect right now because he did come out so soon. Uh, it would have been better for him to come back for another year. Was he a starter last year? He was, yep, started on the right side. And both of them booked in the offensive line. Okay, and uh, I'm just wondering, is, is he was he able to pull, or, or how was he in getting out to the second level? Yeah, you know what? Uh, that is the combo blocks that Georgia has uh, using the tight end and crack blocks. Our wide receivers are asked to block a great, great deal, and we have a, a litany of them that do, and, and coming inside and helping with that, getting to the second level. Uh, Isaiah Wilson does have some giddy-up to him. He is He can move for his size and that's the thing people are looking at his size he's a pretty imposing force uh the physical measurables is, is high for him and he can move with that as well so getting the second level that's not going to be a problem um it's it's more the technique that comes with isaiah wilson uh, so running out in the open field getting up to backers not going to be an issue uh, what he does with his hands and positioning his body that's always a question mark you're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trainer and special guest Clint Shamblin. He is the co-host of Locked On Bulldogs. We are talking Georgia Bulldogs, the draft prospects. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and we're going to talk more Bulldogs. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and I'm joined by Clint Shamblin. He is the co-host of the Locked On Bulldogs podcast. Make sure you check him out. Uh, they're doing some great work in the college ranks, even though college sports, unfortunately, has been suspended for the rest of the year due to the COVID-19 outbreak. But these guys and gals are still working their butts off and doing a tremendous job. And uh, we appreciate uh, them taking the time to come on podcast with us to talk about their school's prospects. So, Clint, let's turn our attention now. This this is kind of weird. Um, the Giants, I know DeAndre Swift the running back is, is a top prospect in the class. I don't think the Giants are going to go for a running back in the first round. So I'm not going to. I gonna... certainly hope not for years. For yeah. your days. That would be quite a bummer. I was going to say, if they go for, if they go for, you know, as good as a foot player as DeAndre Swift is, if they go for a running back in the first round, then I, I would be very concerned about uh, Dave Gettleman, the general manager. But um, there is a guy that I have seen his name pop up in mock drafts towards the end of the draft. And I've got to ask you about him because I find him to be a very fascinating individual. <laughs> People are going to think I'm nuts for asking about this, but the kicker, Rodrigo Blankenship. Yes. Oh, man. You want to talk about So, first of all, fa fascinating individual and a fan favorite. Uh, being in Athens for games, the loudest cheers during player reductions came for Rex Specs, Rodrigo Blankenship. Uh, he is an uh, interesting character for sure. And that kicker, uh, you want to talk, our nickname for him on the podcast is Robo Leg. 
this guy made some of the most high-pressure kicks, longest kicks. You want to talk about against Oklahoma a couple of years ago, 55 yarder before the half ended, or before the yeah first half ended, to go into halftime to give them a chance to come back against Oklahoma. Pressure-packed kick, nailed it. Uh, Rodrigo Blagenship uh, should be the first kicker off of this draft board. There's not even a, a second best kicker. His leg is beyond powerful, beyond accurate. Near the end of the year, uh, South Carolina and, and a couple other games that were really painful to watch him miss were completely out of character uh, for him. He is one of the most accurate, uh, the, the best kicker UGA's ever had in his program history. Um, I'd be, you know, that's, that's the kind of signing that, yeah, later on in the draft, uh, if you need a, a, a wind-blown stadium uh, during fall that, that needs a kick in a pinch, Rodrigo's the man to do it. Now, the reason why I bring him up, just so you, uh, people out there who are wondering why the heck is she talking about a kicker, Aldrich Grossas, um, as Giant fans know, didn't have the best year last year. Mm. You know, he went, he reverted back to his first year with the Giants, which was sandwiched in between a Pro Bowl season. So after having the struggles that he had last year, I am convinced there's going to be some kind of competition. They're going to bring someone in. And, you know, I have seen Blankenship's name mentioned as either a late seventh round pick, like a Mr. Irrelevant, which the Giants have that pick, or perhaps a priority free agent that they mm-hmm. might pursue. And uh, it was interesting because when I started uh, researching Blankenship, I know he, he I believe he comes from uh, South America. He, he has South American roots and he was very, his, you know, his trademark is, are his glasses. Is that correct? <laughs> That's correct. We call the Rex Specs. Uh, respect the specs, as uh, the shirt says in Athens. And yeah, he has a big character, big personality comes with him. Um, and he was a walk-on at Georgia, uh, coming in, um, got his scholarship two years ago, and was announced in front of the team that he deserved it after winning the job and making some high-pressure kicks. So yes, he's got a, a very colored uh, story and narrative to him. Just seems like a really interesting character. I don't know if the Giants will necessarily sign him because I think they have another kicker currently on the roster, but um, certainly somebody, like I said, who who landed on the radar as someone to keep an eye on. And, and he is the best kicker in, in this draft class, I believe. Yes, hands down. Okay, now let's uh, switch over to um, some defensive players. Um, one guy who... I also have seen linked to the Giants in mock drafts is safety J.R. Reed. Is he a free safety, a strong safety, or can he do both? Yeah, J.R., uh, so in Georgia, it's uh, safety one, safety two. Free safety, strong safety is, is kind of a, a different role within UGA system. So one is asked to go back, uh, send a third or a half, and come up in the box quite often. So it's left safety, right safety. And J.R. Reed uh, has played both. Um, he is a very, very smart cerebral player. Not many mistakes, if any, in his time in Georgia. Assignment football through and through. Um, the fit is going to have to be a, a little niche for somebody that's, that's taken JR. Uh, he doesn't fit the mold of just coming and playing every single defense. And so depending on what the Giants' defense runs, that's really going to determine his success, if he's linked there and if he does wind up going, how successful he can be in a system. Has he ever done any slot cornerback? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he has been asked a bunch to come up on the line, jam a receiver, a slot, a tight end. Uh, Georgia employs 
a star defender who is kind of like a dime uh, backer at some points, but but in the box, uh, taking over some specialty roles in the defense. And Jr. can play any of those secondary positions, save an outside corner. Um, so he has been asked to do those assignments, and he does them well. Like I said, really tough, really football. I mean, you'll hear football IQ with him countless times. Um, but he does lack a little bit of a top-end speed. So uh, 10, 15 yards off the line of scrimmage is great. If you were to put the lid off, uh, off on an offense and send a go route, he might be exposed a little bit more. But, uh, but he will not make mistakes and, and can come up and do very, very sound football technique on a slot. So if you were slotting him into an NFL defense, where would you slot him and what type of roles? And I'm not just talking free safety, strong safety, but – specific scenarios maybe yeah yeah if he had if he was in a uh, secondary that had a talented uh, cover man-to-man if he was asked to play zone some more to read and react with instinct if he was asked not to lock up uh, the number one wide receiver or tight end but he was rather asked to complement another secondary to come in and bring up the floor on that secondary to really kind of like a final touching piece on it he'd be a good accent to those uh, he's not going to be somebody that, you know, out of the mold of Ed Reed, where you come in and he's going to be the dominant player. He's going to come in and, and do what is asked of him to supplement and complement the other defenders. So zone, uh, if you ask him to do jam off the line to react, get some of those screens that are quick and, and have him be able to understand a defense, make some calls and switch the defense from side to side. If you need more of a field general, who can do that. Uh, that's where he's really, really going to excel. And that's what he did at Georgia during his time. He was the commander of that secondary, getting everybody positioned where he was and never out of place, making sure other people were. So uh, find a zone, find somebody that's low in zone, or if he's the last defender where he's not manned up running with somebody, but he's rather backpedaling to keep the, the deepest of the deep, uh, he's going to really excel in those types of scenarios. You're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trena and special guest Clint Shamblin. He is the co-host of Locked On Bulldogs. We're going to take our final break, and then we're going to wrap up by talking about some of the unheralded Georgia Bulldog draft prospects. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and I'm joined by Clint Shamblin. He is the co-host of Locked On Bulldogs, and we are talking Georgia, University of Georgia. We're talking about the different prospects. Uh, same school that uh, brought the Giants, Lorenzo Carter. Remember him? That's right. Absolutely. No. Uh, I was actually going to... Uh, talk about some old UGA players on the Giants and see how they're going to see how Giants fans like them. But yeah, absolutely. Lorenzo Carter is a, is a really good dog. Okay. Well, we can certainly touch back, uh, touch on, on those guys uh, at, at the end of the segment, but um, who are some of the guys now? You know, Obviously I haven't mentioned DeAndre Swift because like I said, I don't think the Giants are going to go running back in first in the first round and Swift is probably a first round pick. Jake Fromm, I don't think they're going to go for him either. They've got a quarterback. But who are some of the other guys that are eligible from the, for the draft um, from Georgia that you think are not getting enough buzz and should be? Uh, the first name that comes to mind, if Daniel was here, my co-host, he'd be screaming first to get out of the gate with this. And that's Solomon Kinley, uh, guard. Uh, he may b- wind up being uh, the biggest steal of this draft. Um, he is tenacious. Uh, he is an absolute uh, kind of road grader monster. 
uh, in that uh, mold. And he's going probably projected right now third or fourth um, in some rounds, uh, maybe fifth round. But he could wind up being a team that gets him later down that needs somebody to plug and play on the inside. He's not going to go outside. He's not going to set his foot and get set up in pass pro very well on the outside. But you put him inside, interior lineman. Uh, he is somebody that people should be looking for. And whatever team drafts him is going to get a, a steal of an offensive lineman, in my estimation. He is fantastic. We love him at his time at Georgia. Uh, powerful, strong, uh, can still move, pulls to the to the inside on the opposite side of the line, wherever he, wherever he is at. Gets to the second level on some chip blocks. Um, Solomon Kinley should be looked at much higher than he is. Who else? Anyone else? I know they've got a tight end, which is a position of need. Charlie Werner. Um, okay. I'm looking at defensive tackle Tyler Clark. Um, they, these guys look like they're developmental projects. Any anybody in there that maybe is a diamond in the rough? Yeah, you know what, Tyler Clark. Uh, he was one of my favorite players at Georgia. He flashed during games. A couple games last year, he just took over. And when he needed a third down stop, he was able to blow through just off the ball, first step, quick, get hands inside of a tackle, and throw him back. Uh, into the ball carrier, uh, but then he other times uh, faded in games, and he was not even heard of. He didn't even record a, a tackle, it seems. So he is definitely a developmental. Uh, he could be somebody that give him a couple of years, get him in the game, uh, get some more technique teaching to him. And my goodness, uh, what what an incredible prospect he may be. If he came out last year when he was eligible, he would not have been drafted. This year, I'm glad he came back to UGA. I think he could have a chance to get drafted uh, and become developmental. That's a great word for him. Uh, yeah, we have two tight ends, Charlie Warner and Eli Wolf, who are also coming out. And Charlie has some measurables that are very exciting. I think his pro day uh, that he filmed had some excitement when it comes to some 40-yard uh, dash and some cone and things like that. Uh, and Charlie was was an admirable addition to the offense, but he never took over games. He was never a dominant possession or a vertical threat down the middle on scene. Uh, notoriously, Georgia does not have the best implementation of tight ends in our offense. Uh, they, they stayed quite a bit. So when he was asked to do a job, he did it very well. He was able to sit down in the middle on a seam, uh, catch balls, did not have many drops. Uh, he could be somebody that, that you put him later. And I feel like with tight ends, um, unless you're just a, a bonafide can't-miss prospect, they're all kind of forgotten until later. And then a couple of years into the system, they really, really excel. I mean, Gronkowski and Kittle weren't these top 15, top 20 picks. Uh, and Charlie Warner won't be a Gronkowski or a Kittle, but he can develop very well. He has all the tools required. Uh, Eli Wolf is a bigger guy. He was a transfer from Tennessee that came to Georgia for his last year. Uh, didn't get much feel for him within an offense. So, He's a coin flip if he's even going to stay on with a team. Uh, very tall, very big-bodied um, receiver. Had two notable catches last year where it was very, very, very important game, uh, deciding game-clinching catches, one against Notre Dame, uh, that he was able to rise to the occasion. But we didn't see production from them. So, yeah, anybody that's taken these two are just doing it off of uh, pure metrics and their gut feel on them. There's not a lot of tape to see how well they can do. Uh, and the last name, I, I don't know what the wide receiver depth is right now uh, for the Giants, but Lawrence Cager, uh, he got injured last year. He was a transfer as well coming into Georgia for his last year. He got injured. When he got injured, our offense just went to the gutter. Uh, it was done after that. Uh, when we needed a, a play, when we needed a catch, when we needed a 15-yard first down, Lawrence Cager was always called upon. He had big, big moments, big-bodied possession guy, 
50-50 ball is his game. Uh, and when he went down, our offense went with it. Lawrence Cager is going to be – is going to catch on with some club. Uh, again, not a lot of film because he was injured for most of the year. Every game he had some ailment that was really hurting him, it seemed like. But he, when he was in there, uh, I, it feels like every catch of notable effort last year, Lawrence Cager came down with. So he should be somebody that everybody – I mean, these offenses are going to, you know, three, four wide spread and, and get the ball out. Uh, he's somebody that everyone should look at. He's going to be a great player. And then before we uh, go on to the current Giants who have UGA ties, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Give me your surprise scenario regarding perhaps a Georgia uh, draft prospect. Oh, man, the the surprise scenario is that some team that has an established quarterback uh, decides that Jake Fromm's intelligence and quick decision and his last year that he dips down, they're going to go back and look at film from sophomore and junior year, and somebody's going to reach on Jake Fromm. Uh, he, he should go late second, third, maybe early fourth, but somebody's going to take a risk on him and think of maybe, hey, in a couple of years, we could really develop this guy uh, and maybe he can sit behind. So that's, I think that might surprise some people. Uh, and then the other thing, um, you had mentioned DeAndre Swift first round. I, he is the best running back in this draft. Um, he's going to slide in the second round, I think, uh, just how things are going. Uh, he's going to be a second round pick and slide back uh, and maybe somebody's going to be taken ahead of him, another running back but they shouldn't be, and, and people are going to be surprised by that. But I just think uh, he's not going to get his due in, in sliding the second round. Probably the two two aspects where I think uh, maybe by the end of it all, we only have one Georgia player inside the first round, where right uh, previous mock drafts had three, Andrew Thomas, DeAndre Swift, Isaiah Wilson. I think when all is said and done, Andrew Thomas might be the only first rounder for UGA this year. I think you might be right. I mean, like I said, uh, Swift is a great player. I've seen him mocked in the first round, but I've seen a lot of mocks of late where he is in the second round. So going to be interesting to see where he does land land up. All I know is I I doubt it'll be the Giants for reasons uh, I've discussed uh, previously. So, all right, let's turn our attention in this final uh, part of the segment to the two Georgia players currently on the Giants. And, uh, they have Lorenzo Carter, who is entering his third season, and DeAndre Baker, cornerback, who is entering his second season. And, and I want to start with Baker because last year Baker came in, had a rough outing, and and then you know this is a guy who remember the Giants traded back into the first round to get, but this kid had a rough outing, and then towards the end of the year it looked like the light went on. Why, why do you think he he got off to such a slow start? I know there were some talk initially about his work ethic about you know some other deficiencies maybe in his overall draft package but what do you think was the biggest issue with him yeah you know it's so unique it's so interesting I was going to ask how Giants fans feel about him because it seemed like if I remember correctly near the end of the year he came on stronger the first nine ten games it was well quite frankly pretty bad if I remember last season and near the end of the season he came on a little stronger is that correct yes that's correct yeah, yeah. I think just DeAndre Baker is the second best cornerback out of UGA. Uh, Champ is clear number one. DeAndre Baker has was a lockdown corner for us uh, his final year. And yes, trading back in, uh, it seemed like he was just going to be somebody that you could plug and play and, and have him dominate the outside. And I think what we discovered is his comfort level with a scheme. He was asked and tasked in the defense 
uh, to do exactly what he was he was called to do, be on an island, out on his own, uh, read and react, and, and don't do anything else. And I think just maybe some of the, the schematics, maybe some of the complexities of, of coverages and asking to roll to different sides may have gotten in his head too much. He is somebody that if you put out there and just say, here's your man, stick to him like glue and, and have some fun, uh, it's going to be a lot better for any defense that he's on. When you ask him to make some switches or be the one calling it out, if he had a safety to help him with that, a, a backer to give him some direction, that'd be a lot better. Uh, but I think maybe that is what you saw near the end. His comfort level rose as his confidence rose within the scheme because he knew it was asked of him. And, and that's what he was at Georgia. Just say, here's the outside, stick to him. Don't let him catch anything. Um, Dito Samuels, uh, wide receiver for the 49ers now, he, he famously shut him down, just completely took him out of the game uh, in all entirety. And because it was cast, you have him, don't let him catch. And he was up to the task. So if that was to happen more and more, you're going to see him really, really excel. Yeah, he, uh, I, I spoke a lot with him during his rookie season. And in the beginning, there were some things I observed in the locker room from him that just kind of made me shake my head a little bit. And then towards the end there, um, he started to get it and move away from what, you know, some of the bad habits that, that I saw developing. So I was really happy to see that. I think, you know, after, you know, having all the veteran teammates that he had around him, they were trying to help him. And sometimes I, I wondered if he, if maybe he was receptive to that advice in the beginning. But he, like I said, to his credit, he, whatever, whether he took advice, whether the light came on, whatever the case may be, he started to turn it around. So I was really happy to see that from DeAndre Baker. I do think he's going to be a good, you know, a good player for them in his second season. Let's talk Lorenzo Carter. Now he's an interesting um, scenario. I think you know, last year the Giants were really looking for him to take a big step forward. He didn't, but over at GiantsCountry.com, which is the um, website that I write for, in addition to, you know, hosting Locked on Giants, we did a film study a few weeks ago about how Carter was used in the defense and we didn't think he was used to his strengths. And I'm just wondering, you know, I don't know if you watched the Giants or kept up with him, but, you know, based on what you know, what, what did you think about, you know, his, his journey in the NFL so far? Uh, Lorenzo Carter was somebody that was a force at UGA. Again, that fantasy draft we talked about, I took him because I love Lorenzo Carter. And seeing him, you know, I think his first year he had four sacks and four and a half sacks following that uh, and, and some kind of, average tackle numbers and and you're right Lorenzo Carter is somebody that if you get him in the right scheme can absolutely I'm going to use the word dominate he can dominate and he could do really really well within a niche role um and so I don't I haven't watched many Giants games uh here in central time zone we don't we don't see a lot of it but from what I have seen it does seem a little perplexing it seems maybe the the scheme is not exactly his best uh he was tasked with with being three and four technique out there uh, and, and within a very, very combined role, setting an edge uh, and then reading and reacting. He was very, very good at that and was able to pressure quite a bit and make havoc plays, they call them at UGA, uh, in the backfield. And so I think Lorenzo Carter, I'm glad to hear that you're seeing some hope because Giants fans should not give up on some mediocre numbers. This guy has the potential to be a very, very disruptive force uh, if things line up for him, if the coaching staff finds out exactly his 
his role, it's going to be very well. He has all the talent. And he has the production at UGA. He was one of the, the leaders on the defensive line. So I love Lorenzo Carter. Don't give up on him, Giants fans. Yeah, what we saw in our in our film study is that Marcus Golden, who was was with the team last year, James Betcher uh, player, basically played that hunter role, which we think uh, Carter is best suited for. You know, just and it, it was weird because if you look at his production and his sacks and everything like that. Um, when Carter was put in the natural hunter role, that's where he was most productive. And it was just, it was a head scratcher that they just couldn't figure out how to utilize him and, you know, the other guys that they had. It just seemed like, you know, at times, and I'm not saying this is definitely the case, but at times it looked like he was an afterthought. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he's got, talk about physical measurables. This guy ran a four four forty four. I think four four five, four four six, something like that. Uh, six four and a half, two fifty. I mean, this this is a a prototypical. You call it hunter, and I can only imagine what that means in, in the defense. I could picture it from that. Uh, that sounds like exactly what he needs to do. Uh, so so whatever. Uh, if Marcus Golden does have that lockdown, great. But Lorenzo Carter seems to be the guy that's just just hunting and finding the ball, reading, reacting, and going and getting it. He would be great at that. Well, all I know is that the Giants really didn't invest heavily in the pass rush. They're going to look to see if they can get that pass rush uh, via the scheme. They're going to look to see if they can get, you know, Carter to take a step forward and, and the rest of their pass rushers. And you know what? I'm I'm not ready to give up on Lorenzo Carter. I, I truly believe that he was misused last year in, in the defense. I think Patrick Graham, the new defensive coordinator, is is going to – be a little bit more creative and a little bit more in tune with what the strengths of his players are and what their weaknesses are and getting them into the right positions to make plays. And I, I just think, you know, if there is a season, fingers crossed that there will be, um, we will see Carter take that leap that we were hoping to see him take last year that unfortunately just didn't come to fruition. So That's great. fingers crossed. All right. Uh, that will do it then for this show. So, Clint, I want to thank you for coming on. Tell everybody what you got coming up, where they can find you on social media and so forth. Yeah, so Locked On Bulldogs is our podcast. We currently are going through right now uh, our fantasy draft. We're finishing up. We're doing 20-plus uh, rounds of doing every position, every coach ever at UGA, getting a team on and voting which team is best. Uh, after that, we'll be looking at a couple more things for next year, a list of players we want to see something from. Uh, and maybe who are on the fence about some players that are coming back that we want to say essentially are, is the transfer portal going to be well for you or are you going to stick and make a case? Uh, we constantly tell our people that we are a podcast for fans by fans. Uh, we have some levity with it. So if you want to get a laugh as well as some good football insight, find us uh, locked on Bulldogs on Twitter, dogs podcast and dogs is spelled B-A-W-G-S podcast as well as locked on Bulldogs at gmail.com. Uh, and you can hit us up there. And folks, do check out our Locked On College uh, hosts, their shows. Right now, unfortunately, they don't have sports to talk about. They are doing their best, though, to come up with some creative content, you know, like what Clint just described for his show. Um, Other hosts have different things that they're doing, so they can use a little love as well. And I do encourage you to check them out, as well as all of our Locked On podcasts. Right now, we have the Locked On NFL mock draft going on, and that's just been a tremendous, tremendous production. Um, check that out. We're really proud with how that came out. Um, I made the pick for the Giants. Uh, 
managed to make a trade. So if you want to see what I selected for the Giants, check it out. You can find the Locked On podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, wherever podcasts are available. For Clint Shamblin, this is Patricia Trena. Thank you so much, Giant fans, for tuning in, and we will talk to you again soon.